So, did anyone bring like a legit Bible, like a one? Hold up your your legit, real Bible that that you can flip and turn the pages and awesome, awesome. Good job, good job, guys. Okay, there's something about the real, the real deal, you know, where it's got the the smell, you know, all sorts of stuff. I want to talk to you today about the Bible. All right, I want to talk to you about how invaluable this Bible is. This Bible is indispensable. What are some other words that you shout out that, that would mirror this understanding of this Bible is invaluable? What's another descriptive word? What? Irreplaceable, good. Priceless, good. Who else? You get bonus words for, let, for words that start with vowels. So irreplaceable, awesome, amazing. What other, what other things can describe how important this Bible is? You can use consonant words. You're welcome to do that too. But this Bible is, it truly is amazing. And, and you need it. We need it. And so as I was thinking about this Bible, um, I just got to thinking about a multi-purpose tool. And I was thinking, well, if you're ever like stranded somewhere, just dropped in the middle of something that was challenging, that, you know, like there's no people around and it's a bunch of, what, trees or wherever you are, you would want a multi-purpose tool, right? Because it's good to have a tool like a knife. I always actually have a knife right here on my pocket just because I use it pretty much every day. It's amazing. There's always some need that I need to do something and, and I've yet to stab anyone on purpose. So that's good. So, so I'm good. So I would be happy with, with having my knife, but it's not a multi-purpose tool because I can't do a bunch of stuff with it. So if I was dropped into a place, I'd want a multi-purpose tool. So have you guys seen this before? This is like, you know what it's called? This is probably a Leatherman. Yeah, this is a Leatherman. So they have their uniqueness. But this Leatherman has a knife and obviously has pliers and, and little wire cutters because you never know when you're going to run into electricity in the woods. I mean, just... <laughs> But it's got a lot of stuff on here. So if you were dropped into the middle of a challenging, hard uh, environment, you would, want a, you would want a multi-purpose tool. But would you want this multi-purpose tool or would you want this multi-purpose tool? <laughs> this multi-purpose tool says, hey, little multi-purpose tool, I'm much better. <laughs> this is a leather man. This is a Kilimanjaro. This is like <laughs> this multi-purpose tool is what I'm hoping I won't cut myself on. But I mean, this has got like legit things. This is another one of those. But then it's got it's got like a monster knife in here that I'm afraid to even open because I might kill or cut somebody. So look at this thing. I mean, that's like, yeah, that's like right on the edge of legal, you know. <laughs> so. I mean, there's, there's all sorts of multi-purpose tools for various situations. And I know um, here's, a, here's a saw. So if you're in, you know, you might need a saw. Okay, there's other stuff in here that, that's incredible. And, and I don't want to hurt myself. <laughs> so this is a multi-purpose tool for dropping you into some place where you, you're like in a, in a challenging, probably stressful situation and just overwhelming. And so... I think it's amazing because God left us a multi-purpose tool because he knew that you would go through challenging times, stressful times, times that you're in over your head. 
And that's the Bible. And the good thing is that he also, Jesus told us that he's not going to leave us as orphans. He's going to send us the Holy Spirit to direct us. So the Holy Spirit on one hand, teaching us in like the Bible says, reminding us of things that the word of God has said. Man, that's a serious multi-purpose tool. That's something that we can have confidence in. This Bible is invaluable. Here's the amazing thing. So looking up the diff on dictionary.com or whatever Bible, you're going to obviously run into the obvious that it's talking about this. But then also it talks about, it says authoritative, an authoritative book. And we see that because if you go to Barnes and Nobles or you go to any bookstore, what do you run into? You run into all sorts of Bibles, but not just Bibles like this, like the Word of God. You run into Bibles like on how to cook French food. You know, it's like French cooking Bible. And, and so I looked up Barnes and Nobles today when I, before I came over. Barnes and Nobles, you type in Bible on the web. It has 63,000 responses. Yeah, I was pretty surprised. So I thought, holy moly. How long and hard is this going to find other Bibles other than, you know, like kitty Bible and, you know, like girl Bible and older girl Bible and, you know, like really, you know, woman of God Bible and, and you know, men that want to marry women of God Bible. I mean, just all sorts of things. But I literally scrolled only two pages down and within those two pages, which was only 40 entries on each page. So within the first two pages of 1,583 pages options that I could have looked at Barnes and Nobles. I got Bibles, the Crystal Bible. So everything and anything that you need to know about crystals. The Yoga Bible. Excel 2016 Bible for you engineers. Come on, it's a little dated, two years old. Not quite sure, Dennis is pumping in the back. Tattoo Bible, there was, in case you were, well, anyway, there was also the Beer Bible. I mean, basically, the world recognizes the value of even the word Bible that they put it in their stuff saying, this is a topic and it's authoritative. It's informational. You can trust it. You getting where I'm going? Did you pick up some of those key words of what I'm talking about? I wonder how many of us view the actual Bible, you know, this, the word of God, as authoritative, as informational, as necessary, as trustworthy, as complete just like the yoga Bible or the crystal Bible has every move and position that maybe you could contort your body into. This Bible is complete with how to live life. I heard a song. It's an older song from um, Burlap to Kashmir. They said that the B-I-B-L-E stands for basic instructions before leaving earth. And I thought that's pretty wise. This is the basic instructions before leaving earth. And so what I want to do is I want to talk to you about four different tools, four different multi-purpose tools. It's not a Kilimanjaro. It's save a man. Yo. <laughs> multi-purpose tool. So, okay, so I know when I really bombed a joke when my wife gets embarrassed for me. So, so that was like a bomb. But, but anyway, in the meantime, would you join with me in praying? Because... Because I just want to pray and I want to join with you. Lord, thank you for tonight. I thank you that you brought everybody here. And I thank you, Lord, that we're not here for a speaker. We're here just to learn about you better, about your word, about um, just our relationship with you. And I thank you for that. God, I pray that you would open up our hearts to hear from your spirit. I pray, Lord, that it would be more than just just an observational idea. But, Lord, that you would graft it into our DNA, into into our structure so that we would walk out of here changed and that we would walk out of here with a renewed vigor to just seek you and experience you and understand who you are 
uh, through your word that you gave us. We thank you for that. In the name of Jesus, if you agree, say amen. If you don't, keep your mouth shut. All right. So I just want to open up some of the, some of the multi-purpose tool action. And if you open up the first part, it's Matthew 4, verse 4. What you will find in this multi-purpose aspect is that the Bible is the bread for your soul. This is your sustenance. This, every day, pretty much every day you want to eat food, right? What happens if you don't eat food? You get hungry, and then when you get hungry, what do you do? You get, you get hangry, which is when you're hungry and it causes you to be angry or people get tired or they get short with people. All sorts of things happen when you get hungry, right? Right? It's amazing. Granted, it's not an excuse to be angry or mean or anything when you're hungry. It's, you know, that's, that's a whole other talk that we can do. But, but it's amazing that when you don't feed your body, your personality changes, your characteristics change, your ability to handle stress, all sorts of things change when you don't feed your physical body. Well, the thing is, your physical body is going to last 60, 70, 80 years. That's it. Your spiritual body is, your spiritual soul, your spirit is eternal. It will last forever. And like your physical body, it needs fed. And when people don't know Christ, they try to feed that spirit with all sorts of things. And I'm sure you can think of many of those things that people try to feed their soul to find peace, to find assurance, to find value, to find identity. There's so many things that people try to feed their spirit. The thing is, God has created your spirit to have a diet of one thing, and that's his word. That's all it's hungry for. His word, whether through, his, through the Bible or his word directly, a rhema word, a God word, a word that, that he speaks. And not only do I believe that God speaks that way, I've heard him. He speaks multiple times. Uh, he has spoken and does continue to speak multiple times to me. And I'm praying that you have experienced that as well, that God speaks to you because man doesn't live on bread alone. Jesus says that in Matthew 4.4. You want to pull that up? Matthew 4.4 says, Jesus answered, let me give you context. He's in the desert. This is the end of him fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. So he's, he's way hungry. I mean, who, let me just take a little poll, real quick poll. Who's fasted a full day from food? One full day. I'm not talking breakfast and dinner and then 10 o'clock hits and it's like, well, this is a day. I can start eating at night. You know, like 24 hours. Good. Good. You feel that effect, don't you? Who's fasted three days? Three days. When you haven't eaten three days, it's like, okay, this is messing with me a little bit, right? If you fasted a week, it's like, oh my goodness, I, I want to just cry. <laughs> <laughs> and you'll start to feel that your body doesn't regulate temperature properly. And all of a sudden, you're way colder than you should be for no reason. And then you all of a sudden get way hot and you're miserable. And then if you fast longer than that, you fast two weeks. And also, I mean, as it goes on, you can't pick up like, you, you're just like, I don't want to sin because that would require energy. <laughs> I'm dead serious. There's a lot of good stuff about fasting. Jesus is at the end of 40 days of fasting. And he's in the desert. If you have any idea about deserts, you always think, oh, they're hot. Yes, they're hot during the day, but at nighttime, they're freezing cold. There's extreme temperatures happening 
He didn't have any food, so now his body is also out of whack because he was fully, Jesus was fully man. He didn't cheat. He didn't say, oh, I'll fast 40 days and I'll just eat the bread of heaven. <laughs> no. He, he was hungry. He was, he was not, a, not a chipper, oh, this is just joy of joys, you know. But he was doing, he was doing this in obedience. And so at the end of this, the devil starts to tempt him. And what's the devil tempt him about? Hey, if you want, you can turn those stones into bread. And I'll bet after 40 days of fasting, you look at anything and they look like good eating. <laughs> I mean, you might even want to go to McDonald's still and get it. I mean, there's just, just anything you, you think is food. McDonald's is still on the edge, but, but in general. So he's looking at these stones and the devil's like, hey, if you're the son of man, if you're Jesus, if you're God, turn those stones into bread and have some food. And this is when he responds to the devil's temptation. It's written. You know where it's written? Scripture. It's written, man shall not live on bread alone. And, and you can take that man as humans, like as in y'all. Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Every word that comes from the mouth of God. We call this the word of God for a reason. This is because this is God's word. And if you struggle with the truth of that, boy, there's so much study and so much proof of the, ver the veracity, the validity of this word that I would challenge you because one, it's exciting. It's like, holy cow, this word is amazing. And the preservation of this word and, and the truth and the, that has never been historically proven wrong. I mean, so many things, whether it's archaeology, whether it's science, supernatural things. I mean, this word changes lives. If you were to drop this word on an island full of people and they started to read it, they would be changed. The island would be changed. This word is full of power because it's God's word. When I write an email to somebody, or when Matt writes an email to me, he expects me to read it. If nothing, out of courtesy. Especially if I don't know him from Adam. I do know Adam, but if just a random. That's just out of courtesy, I read it. And then out of courtesy, I would respond. God is challenging us to read his word not out of courtesy, but it's out of necessity. Because this is indispensable. This is valuable. And then it's not out of a courtesy that I respond. It's out of, out of obedience. It's out of love. It's out of uh, just a commitment and a relationship with Jesus that I respond. And I respond when he says, do this, I do it. When he says, stay away from that, I don't say, oh, I don't believe you. I'm going to try it. I stay away from it. Man doesn't live on bread alone. I'm glad he said alone. That means he, we do get to eat. And we get, some of you guys like love to eat, right? I'll eat. I'm not a lover of food. If I could do my chance, I would just pop a pill and just keep on going. Like, okay, that's enough. Just to let you know. But some of you guys like love food. Who who's loves food? Okay, good, good. I imagine in heaven you'll get the option to do that. And I imagine in heaven I won't have to. So, but it says man shall not live on bread alone. And this is expecting you to read, to live on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. This word gives you sustenance. And it's amazing because let me give you a side note. Each discipline of, of Christianity, and when I say that, I mean fasting, reading his word, praying, sharing Jesus with people, uh, 
there's so many, I don't want to list them all, but, but they're so intertwined and they, they help you get better at each other in the sense that, so when I'm, when I'm reading his word, it fills my spirit to now when I go to pray, I know what to pray. I know how to pray. I speak the language of God. My spirit is in alignment with God. When, I, when I've done that, when I've spent time in prayer and in the word, now an opportunity comes up where I can actually talk about Jesus. And do I shy away or do I actually talk about Jesus? Well, if I'm already full because my spirit, I filled, I filled up my spirit in the morning or at night or both and I, you know, all that stuff and I've already spent time in the word and in prayer, then of course it's just going to come out of me. I'm just going to talk about Jesus because he's amazing. The other disciplines, there's so many, fasting, I mentioned, it's like, I don't like sinning because I'm just exhausted. I mean, that, there is some truth, there, not some truth, that's true. When you fasted of any length of time, you're like, okay, I am super dependent on food. And fasting is our physical representation of what your spirit man feels, what your spirit woman feels. When you've starved your spirit of this bread, your character will change. When you've starved it, of, of reading the word, you're not going to be as cheerful and joyous and enjoyable to be around. You'll wonder, why am I, why am I such short, so short-tempered with my roommates? Why, why do I respond this way when my mom calls or when my, when my friends or my enemy or the teacher or the homeworker? What's going on? Well, it's because you're starving your spirit, man. You would change. You will change if you have a constant diet of this. Multi-purpose tool number one. Multi-purpose tool number two. This is more of my favorite when I was a kid. This is a weapon. A weapon in the spirit realm. Growing up, I remember thinking that the more holy and spiritual you were, yeah, you got it, weaponry for the spirit realm. That's right. The more spiritual you were, the bigger Bible you had. It's like, okay. So, I mean, let me see some of those Bibles. I mean, some of those are like little daggers. All right, that's like a little dagger, a little dagger, okay. All right, come on. So, so there's a sword. There's a sword right there. Come on. Beardman, what's your name? Dylan. I'm liking your sword, buddy. <laughs> right? So some of you guys with like virtual swords, you know, your phone swords, it's like, you know. It's just, so it's, that's turned off. Yes, exactly. All right. This is weaponry. Ephesians, so Paul, let me give you some context. And just so here's another additional side note. A little additional side note. Um, I'm, whenever you're reading scripture, please read a big enough chunk to actually know the general context, okay? Don't do this picking and choosing thing, buffet-style Christianity. That's not, that's not going to grow you, all right? And so Ephesians 6, 17, this is Paul talking. He's talking about the armor of God, the full armor of God. And he's challenging Christians to put on the full armor of God. And so verse 17, we pick it up and said, take the helmet of salvation, so that's protecting. There's a whole, there's like, you probably heard a bunch of sermons on all this stuff, but there's a helmet of salvation. And then he says, and the sword of the spirit, to make sure that we weren't confused, which is the word of God. This is the sword of the spirit. The funny thing is growing up, I've grown up a Christian for a long, long part of my life, since I was three, so nearly all of it. And I remember hearing that this is the sword of the Spirit, but I never heard, okay, well, then what do we do with it? The sword of the Spirit, this sword is used in prayer. This is when we use this sword. 
This sword is when we when we are fighting things in the spirit realm. This sword is used when we're not attacking people because we love people, everyone, even the ones that disagree with us, even the ones that dress differently than us, even the ones that are challenging our own personal beliefs or our personal relationship with Jesus. For God to love the world, and that, that world is everybody, even the disagreeable ones. It even says in the Bible that while we were still sinners, he died for us. Thankfully, thankfully, we didn't have to get healthy before we went to the hospital, before we found the great physician. While we were still sick, that Jesus came for the sick and for the lonely and for the lost, for the broken heart or for the contrite heart. I lost my place. <laughs> oh, go ahead. Oh, good. Thanks. Claire, tell me where I'm at. Yeah, I heard multiple times growing up that this is the sword, but what do I do? We use it in prayer. We use it when we're witnessing. We use it, the, le- the, the smaller you have of a sword, and I'm not talking physically, but the, the less that you have inside, the smaller you are with your sword. The less damage, the less fear that, that you put into the devil, because your weaponry is like pretty small, and you're probably, you're probably not adapt at using it. Do I need to take that out of metaphor? If you don't read the Bible, then you're not going to be good at wielding a sword. If you don't read his word and ingest it and memorize what he's saying, then when challenges come up and you're, you pull out your sword, you're like, oh. <laughs> because you don't have it in you. It's not a part of you. Do you guys watch the Olympics? Anybody watch the, the, this thing? What's it called? Fencing. Fencing. Yeah, this thing. Exactly. I mean, that's like an extension. It's amazing because they've held onto that sword so much. They're familiar with the weight, the feel, the balance, the distance. They, can, they know exactly when they touched you. Even if the machine didn't register, like, I know that touched you because they just, they're part of it. What would happen if this group in here wielded this like those fencers where they know that, man, when I just talked to my roommate who doesn't know Christ, I know it touched him. I know it touched him. Because I heard a buzzer go off. It's the Holy Spirit saying, yes, I'll take it from here. When you read this word and you're sitting down and you're praying and you're interceding on behalf of your, your parents that may not know Christ or your brother or sister that doesn't know Christ that hasn't bowed their knee to Christ, then all of a sudden you're equipped. You're like, devil, I'm not going to be okay with, with you fussing with them. In the name of Jesus, get away from them. God, would you touch? I mean, you just go at it. Because this is weaponry. If you're like, ah, you know why you're like, ah? It's because you have yet to wield it properly. And there's power in this word. There is power in this word. The other night, um, uh, Lydia told me a story about when she was at school. Um, her, there were some kids that said that they were, they told this to her. They said that they were sorry that she grew up in a Christian home because she couldn't have any fun. And I was like, oh. You know, that got, that got my dad's juices flowing. And, and that bothered me. And I'm thinking, first of all, they're just so wrong. I mean, we, we, God has blessed us. We do crazy amounts of fun. It's, it's incredible. Um, Liz posted on her Facebook. So if you want to see all the crazy things that we do. But, I mean, it's just, so first of all, they're wrong. But also, it bothered me because they were attacking my daughter essentially about her faith and about her, her environment. 
And so, you know, we talked and stuff like that. And then she ended up going to bed. And I'm sitting on the couch, and it's still just stirring in my heart. And I'm still ticked. And I'm like, that's not right. And so in a nice way, I felt like God said, well, then just go pray about it over her. And so she was already asleep. I might have woke you up. I don't remember um, by accident. But, I mean, I'm praying, and I'm like in her room and just praying truths and praying scripture and just, just praying hard, praying for her, but then also praying against those kids. I'm praying imprecatory prayers. Say that word, imprecatory. Imprecatory. You know what imprecatory is. We learned that, right? Adam, you learned about imprecatory prayers. These prayers, you've read them before. They're in Psalm. They're when David is saying, God, you get them. You smite them and their children, and you consume them in your wrath. And I mean, have you read Psalm Psalm 64? It doesn't take far to find some of those prayers that David, who's known as the man after God's own heart, is praying that they would be wiped off the face of the earth and their name would be would disappear and they would be have no record of them. I mean, he's praying like some and so when you're when you're reading that, you should ask questions. I hope when you read the Bible, you know, like, oh, yep. Ask questions like, what in the world is that about? What in the world is that about? How is he allowed to get away with that? Impregnatory prayers just for some, some smart stuff for you guys. Um, they're basically, they're psalms, they're verbalizations to God and through God that justice would be done. Full, God knows what's going on in your heart, all right? And so for David, he was truly afraid or truly mad or truly a bunch of things, all right? And so the Psalms are in there of his prayers imprecatory. Say imprecatory. Good. They're in there because they're modeling what you do even when you're mad or when you're, you're just fed up. It's, it's just not right because you take those emotions and those feelings and you bring them to God and you ask that God would do something and you go to God. Versus to the person, verbally or physically. And you see that's what David is doing in the Psalms. And so, I mean, I wasn't praying over, over in praying like that those girls and those boys would be smote and that, you know, they would be swallowed by the earth. I didn't pray that type of level. But I did pray that God would reveal himself to them and that they would reveal, they would see how wrong they were and how they need Christ and how their parents need Christ. And I mean, I'm praying for them. Even though I don't even know who they were, and I'm thankful that I don't, because I see them on, you know, at school, or I probably coach some of them. I'm like, you, come here, you know. <laughs> and I would have, I would have done imprecatory prayers wrong, because my prayers need to be up and to and through. And so this is weaponry in the spirit realm, multi-purpose tool number two. Number three, I'll tell you what, this word is a map for living. This is your guidance. Psalm 119, 130 says, the unfolding of your word, which is why you need a physical Bible. Just saying, just joking. So the unfolding of your word, words give light. It gives understanding to the simple. I will gladly be the simple if God gives me understanding. Call me simple all day long because I want God's understanding. I want God's wisdom. I don't want man's wisdom. I definitely don't want my own. The Bible talks about that our hearts are desperately wicked, deceitfully wicked. I want his direction in my life. I want his understanding of how do I view certain situations, certain peoples, anything. I want his view. I want him. I need him to light up my life. Psalm 119, 104, and 105. This is still the same David. 
He says, I gain understanding from your precepts. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. Therefore, I hate every wrong path. There's a way that seems right to a man. The Bible talks about that. But in it lies death. In other words, sometimes you think, oh, this has got to be right. I would, be, I would caution you just to trust your heart. That's one of the things that the world's, just trust your heart. Go with your emotions. Go into the field. No, because my heart sometimes is to, I'm hungry for that candy bar. I'm going to take the candy bar and eat it. That's my heart. My heart says, man, that's a nicer, uh, my, nicer bike than mine. I'll take that one. I mean, our hearts are not to be trusted. We need a renewed heart. We need a clean heart. We need God's heart. We need God's direction. And we get that by understanding his precepts, by understanding his word. Your word is a lamp for my feet and a light on my path. So after worship or during worship, um, I turned a light on. And you guys probably didn't even notice it. You probably still don't notice it. But I turned a light on. And it's not doing us any good at all because it's in my pocket. This has been on since the worship. And probably some of you guys, especially some of you more engineering people or, or um, a conservatory, conservative people are thinking, what a waste. Your battery power is probably really far down. And I did too, and I even challenged I was like, do I want to turn it on this early? <laughs> so I've lost a lot of battery, but it's been on in my pocket for half hour doing absolutely nothing. Some of you are thinking, why aren't you turning it off now? It hasn't been helping anything. It hasn't, it, it's like, what a waste. It's not even doing anything. And I would say, some of you guys have a Bible that is just sitting on your desk, and I would say, what a waste. It's not doing anything. It doesn't benefit you just to sit on your phone and do nothing or sit somewhere in your room. It only works, actually, when you grab it and you use it. And it lights up your path, and it lights up how do I interact with that cantankerous person that I have to be uh, in, a, in a science project with? What do I do? How do I deal with that boss that always favors this person and this person's cheating and I'm not? What do I do? All these questions, they make sense because the light's always on. You just got to unfold it. You got to open it up. This is a map, a guidance for life, all of life. Not just challenging times. All of life. Multipurpose three and the last one which is the most important, is this is all about Jesus. This is the story about Jesus. Jesus is pointed to from the very beginning in Genesis and the culmination all the way to the end of Revelation. It's pointing to the Savior of the world. It's pointing to the God-man, the deity, full God, full man that we need to be forever with the Father, to have a life that starts eternally, joyously now. We can have abundant life, and it doesn't mean we start in heaven when we're finally dead. And we, we're, No, the abundance happens now because we know Jesus. This is how you learn to know who Jesus is. Your love for Jesus will grow more and more because you actually know him. When we got married, I loved Liz, but I didn't understand that that much, and my amount of love for her was based on the amount of, of information and understanding I had about her. 
And the longer we've been married, the more I love her because I know her more and I appreciate her more. Don't want to look at her because I'll cry. But the more, the more we live life and experience life, the deeper and the stronger our love is. And I have said multiple times to multiple people, I said, boy, God really, I say lucky, but they know what I mean. By saying, I got lucky because, I mean, I married her understanding this much. And I thought like, <laughs> I thought that she was marrying up, but I realized, <laughs> but I realized, man, did I, I married up, up, up. Because I, I didn't realize that there's this whole nother element of her and I keep learning Keep learning more and more about her. It's the same thing with Jesus. You think you love him. How much do you know him? How much do you know him? The Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, are readily available for you to open and read and, and learn about how he responds to challenges. How does he respond to hardships? What about sorrow? What is, is, he, is he cold-hearted? Is he compassionate? Who is this man that I'm going to commit my life to forever and ever? We see how he celebrates, how he has fun, how he parties, how he includes other people in the party, how he surprises the religious by taking in the outcasts. We see how he interacts with society. We learn about his love, about his compassion. He looks out on the crowd and he, and he feels compassion. It's not just a general compassion. It's because he knows that person and that person and that person and that person because he's watched them since they were in their mother's womb. He's cared for them all the way through. We learn how much he loves all the way to the cross. He stretches his arms out because he says, I love you this much. <laughs> and he gets nailed to the cross knowing that he is also the God of the resurrection. He's also the God of life. He died on the cross, paying for all of our sins, offering himself as a sacrifice for what we duly deserve, we rightfully deserve, which is eternal separation from him. He says, I'll pay that price because you can't even afford it. You have no concept of how egregious rebellion against your maker is. But I do, and it costs a pure untainted life and blood to be shed so that you can spend forever with me and with the Father in the presence of God, the Holy Spirit. And then he rises from the grave and you think, take that devil. <laughs> I'm going to follow him. Whatever he says goes because the next time someone rises from the dead, I'm going to, okay, but there's been only one. It's Jesus. So if he says, I'm it, there's no other way, I'm believing him. I'm not going to doubt him. I'm not going to, I'm going to go full on with him. When he, we see and we learn that he says, hey, I'm going to take off. I'm going to build something. It's going to be amazing. If it took God only six days to make this place, and it's amazing. How amazing is it going to be when we get to heaven? I mean, he's been working on longer than six days. I know he's outside of time and all that stuff, but, you know, still fun to talk about. Anyway, and then he says, but I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to empower you with the spirit. We learn about Jesus and his character, his attributes, who he is. The story of Jesus is encapsulated in here. This is the best source for us to learn about him. You hear all these things, oh, the book of Thomas. And the book, it's like, there's no need. 
There's more than enough that's verified that's, that we can lean on and trust on. This is authoritative. This is the Bible. Let's trust in this. People ask or wonder sometimes like how, how I've built my love for God and it's by learning about Jesus. How do I do that? By reading his word and then by praying, by connecting with him, by expressing my love to him in worship, which is another discipline, by expressing my love for him, by talking to other people, which is another discipline. They're all wrapped up. And it builds my love for him. So some of you guys may be, uh, I talked last time about being a miserable Christian and how some of you are miserable Christians because you're miserable Christians. You're not happy because you're not doing it right. And maybe it's because you're not feeding your spirit. Maybe it's because you're inept at your sword use, at your sword play. But it's more than play, it's serious. It might be because you haven't been using it for guidance for your life. In all of life. You may just not know Jesus very much. We're called Christians. It means Christ-like. How are you doing? Do you feed on bread alone or do you feed on every word that proceeds from the mouth of God? It's invaluable. Have I, have I shared that enough with you? This multi-purpose tool, my prayer is that it wouldn't just sit somewhere on your desk under your bed, still in your suitcase, but that you find it because it's been glowing. It's still on. It works. So here's what I'm going to do because it's no wonder that this word, the Bible, has been attacked by the world. It's been ridiculed. It's been undermined. It's been doubted. It's been physically, uh, the world tried to physically rid it, rid the world of it. they like, collected multiple times they collected as many bibles as all the bible trying to eradicate it and they burned them i mean this bible has been under attack since the moment that it was written and it's no wonder because if we're going to fight and if the devil's going to fight you he wants you to be underfed weaponless confused in your life and not knowing jesus that's why it's been under attack The devil will speak doubts. He'll speak lies. He's known as the father of lies. So when he starts speaking things like, well, how do you truly know it's the word of God? He said that the first time in Genesis. To Eve. And Eve and Adam both believed that lie. And look at the mess we're in. When the devil's speaking lies, say, shut up, devil. Or be quiet, devil. I'm going to trust in the word of God. In the veracity and the truth and the strength of the Bible. So here's my challenge to you. We're not going to do an altar. We're just going to do a challenge. I'm going to do two challenges. The first one's on the side note of fasting. Whatever you fasted, I would ask the Lord, God, what has been troubling my spirit? What am I praying for? What am I seeking direction for? Who am I fighting for? Something is going on in all of us that matters. And you're not seeing a breakthrough. You're not seeing results. You're not hearing. It's just, it's just plugged or stopped. This week, just say, God, I want to commit as well to a, a period of fasting. And, and then ask him, 
when do I start the fast? And when I'm fasting, when the times that I'm going to eat, when I would have eaten food, you still drink water, just so you know. Drink water. But the times I was going to eat, breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I'm going to, I'm going to spend time with you in praying. And I'm going to pray towards that stuck thing, towards that, that decision I made, towards something, all right? Towards the fight that you're fighting for your brother to find Christ or your parents to finally um, get along and, and not go through with the divorce. I mean, there's so many things that fasting and prayer can, can really accomplish. And I would challenge you then to say, God, I'm going to commit this time. And here's my instruction. Because part of Kaiapha, we, we teach, we disciple. So some of you guys raise your hand. I've fasted for, for a day. Some of you guys never raise your hand. I would challenge everybody that didn't even raise their hand to fast for one day. Fast for 24 hours. If there's medical things, talk to the Ericsons on how do you work with that. Because it, Jesus said, when you fast. He didn't say if you fast. He said, when you fast. He didn't say, when you fast, unless you have medical conditions. There are things that you can do to handle that medical stuff. But if you've never fasted, pick a day. For those of you that said, I've fasted for a day, don't say, I'm going to fast for two weeks. Don't do that. You're just setting yourself up for failure. Pray and ask the Lord, how long? Two or three. You know, just, just a little bit farther, okay? For those of you that, that have fasted longer, I'm not saying you have to fast even longer than that. I'm just saying, ask the Lord, how long should I do this? And I'm going to commit myself to it. That's just one discipline. And you'll be amazed at how heightened your senses are in the other disciplines. How heightened you are in spiritual sensitivity. On how heightened you are in hearing, hearing from the Lord. How heightened you are for direction and for authority. And man, when you pray, man, it's like, man, my, my, my sword is like glowing now. I mean, it's like, it's, something's going on through my prayers. Because now I'm not praying, I'm interceding. And like, if you keep going, you're, you'll be like interceding. I mean, you'll be going hard. So... <laughs> So that's my one challenge is that just this week, and it's not to do it like just because you're supposed to do it. It's you're doing it because you would have asked previously, Lord, what's stuck? What am I looking for? What, am I, what have I been praying for sort of, but it's mostly I've just been worrying about. Look at a worry and say, okay, I'm going to stop worrying. I'm just going to put it before you, lay it before you, and I'm, I'm serious about this. I'm going to pray and I'm going to fast. I'm going to skip out on food. And if my friends invite me, then I'll say, no, I'm fasting for something. You don't say, oh, no, I'm just being spiritual and religious. Don't do that. Just tell them, no, I'm fasting for something. Right? <laughs> Here's the last thing I'll move on. And if you mess up by accident because you forget that you're fasting, <laughs> which we've all done, <laughs> you're like, no, oh, I'm fasting. Do I swallow it or do I spit it out? You know, and you're just, do I keep eating this M&M or can I finish the bag? You know, <laughs> If you mess up, when you remember, start from there. It, your time doesn't start over. Don't worry about it. Don't be legalistic. We're not shooting for legalistic Christians. They're called Pharisees. Didn't work out so well for them. Right? So if you mess up, hey, that's all right. Put it down and then keep going. All right? There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. We're all learning. We're all learning. So that's the first one. The second one is, hey, this week... And I'm serious. Even though I'm a guest speaker, I'm still serious. This week, talk to one friend of yours, whether it's in Kyle or outside, but I, you know, it's either one, or maybe do one of each, doesn't matter. And commit to your friend, hey, I'm going to read the word every day. 
Every day I'm going to read it. And I would challenge you at least 15 minutes a day. For those of you that are legalistic, don't set a clock. Just read, okay? And the goal is not to get as far as you can or as fast as you can. Just spend time in his word, okay? We're still shooting away from religious. We're just going to connect with him. Also, for those of you, if you have yet to read or this is just unfamiliar to you, start in the book of John. The book of John is Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. So it's the fourth book in the New Testament. It's about right here, okay, in the Bible. It's on page 1520, okay, if you have my exact Bible. Spend 15-ish minutes. This is a starter. If some of you guys are more comfortable just like fasting, spend a little bit time. I'm just asking you to spend a little bit longer this week on an everyday basis, though. Everyday basis. I recommend you do it in the morning because you'll be amazed at how full your day gets. Then all of a sudden, you get to midnight and you realize, oh, I haven't done that. I didn't even do it yesterday. I got to read 30 minutes, you know, to make up. And now you're being legalistic again. And now you're training your spirit to be callous to his. Don't, don't do that. But just spend time reading. And this is what the friend comes in where you can text, hey, I just read Daniel. Like I'm in Daniel right now, just specifically. And I just told Liz, I read Daniel yesterday. And Daniel was 80 years old when he was throwing the lion's den. Did you know that? He was old. No wonder the lions didn't want to eat. No, I'm joking. <laughs> But you're going to text your friend or you're going to, you're going to something chat, Instagram, whatever you want to do, Twitter, Twitter, or what? I can read. So you're going to do something to your friend saying, hey, I just read this. I just read this and this was, this was interesting or this struck me. Okay, that's what you're going to do. That's, that's my challenge. That's my encouragement to you. And I'll bet, and this isn't even a risky bet, I'll bet that you come back here next Wednesday are you guys on spring break? No. I'll bet, I'll bet next Wednesday, if you do this every day, I'll bet next Wednesday the worship will be better and the preaching will be better. Not because it's changed, but because you've changed. And your receptivity to the Lord will be more heightened because you've spent time with him. I don't recommend you read Leviticus. Not right now. Just skip Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Okay. I recommend, at least for this week, that you read a gospel. Start in one of the gospels, which is Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. All right, deal? All right, I probably talked forever. I'm sorry about that. Um, my alarm hasn't gone off because I never said it. So, But I do want to, it's probably died, yeah. But I do want to pray for you guys. Jesus, I thank you that you have called all of these students as well as Matt and his wife and all the staff in Kaiapha to be in your family and to uh, be adopted. So thank you, Jesus, for adopting us into your family. God, I thank you also that you are empowering these students to live on a ho- in a hostile environment, a challenging environment, an environment that, that bashes you, bashes their beliefs, bashes the Bible. Lord, I pray that, that you would strengthen them with your word, with your spirit in unison so that they can live godly lives, so that they can live effective lives, so that they can live successful lives. God, I thank you for that. 
God, I thank you for your word that you didn't leave us just to guess and pick and choose, but Lord, you gave us clear instructions before we leave earth. We thank you for that. God, we look, we look forward to when you're coming back, but until that day, we're gonna serve you with all of our heart, or with all of our soul, mind, and strength. We're gonna love our neighbor as ourselves because you love all people. God, give us the wisdom on what to say and how to say it, Lord, as you direct us through your word. We thank you for this multi-purpose tool that we desperately need. Lord, I pray for success this week. I pray for success this week that every day, every student in here, staff, member, Spring Hill people, Lord, that we would all spend time in your word and that you would speak to us and feed our spirit. We praise you. In the name of Jesus, if you agree, say amen.